I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is Friday on Jesse Kelly's one and only Ask Dr. Jesse Friday show. What, Chris? It is the Jesse Kelly show is world famous, and we are here to solve major problems on a Friday. It's going to be a blast. 
What are we solving today? Well, as you can imagine, as per usual, your questions have me all over the map. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Are s'mores overrated? What is my personal technique for taking on a saltwater crocodile? If I have to be placed in an old, deadly scenario, natural disaster, which one do I choose? And lessons I teach my boys and how I teach my boys. All that and much, much more is coming up today on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. And remember, when you call 877-377-4373, you can call live if we don't answer It's because we ignored your call. No, I'm kidding. We just might not be here. might be too busy. Leave a voicemail. We'll play the voicemails on the air. And you can email during the show. All your emails go to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them out during the show for me all the time. Now, let's try to get through our history segment fairly quickly today because today is part two. I did a rare two-parter. You know that pops up on occasion, and what we were talking about, what we are talking about, is how the modern state of Israel came to be. And of course, this is hugely offensive to so many people, and it's awesome. That's why I love it. I love, I love, I don't know why I love it, but I love wading into the stuff nobody wants to talk about, the different religions. I love to talk about race. I love. I think all these things are fascinating. I just. I enjoy. I enjoy talking about them, and I think it's awesome. So, where are we in the story? Here's where we were. Bunch of Jews dispersed around the world, thanks to the Romans. Not very nice. Once the Romans eliminated the basically the Jews in Jerusalem, as a final middle finger to the Jews. They renamed the place after the historic Jewish enemies, the Philistines. That's why you know it to be Palestine or Palestine. Jews scatter around the world. 1900s, Jews are being routinely attacked and blamed for things, especially in places like Russia and Eastern Europe. Pogroms are the norm. Jews start looking around, looking at each other and saying, Why don't we go back home? Why don't we have a Jewish homeland, a place where we can just be us and be left alone? At this time, when they're having this conversation, keep in mind, in modern-day Israel, it's just Palestine at that time. There's a small percentage of Jews and a small percentage of Christians there, but in general, it's about 700,000 Muslims down there at the time. We're talking early 1900s. I'm just catching you up on yesterday in case you didn't get to listen to that part. Then, boom, World War I breaks out. France, Russia, Britain, they join together to fight against Germany and the Ottoman Empire. I know Austria-Hungary was involved, but for the purposes of our story, I'm not talking about them today. Britain, France, all these countries are extremely, extremely desperate, very, very desperate and so they start making promises to everyone. They start going to the Arabs who are in the Ottoman Empire, underneath the Ottomans, and telling the Arabs, hey, stand up and fight the Ottomans for us. 
Once this war's over, if we win, we're going to give you a bunch of really good stuff. You can maybe have Syria, maybe have your own kingdom here, your own kingdom there. Maybe we'll give you everything. Maybe we won't. I mean, it was really, they were talking out of both sides of their face. And there are, and France is doing the same thing. They're all doing these things in secret. And often, oftentimes, they're promising the exact same territory to two totally different groups if they win. It's that bad. It's that bad. It's, they're, they're that desperate. Now. Part of the desperation was this. Lloyd George, he's the head of Britain at this point. He sees the communist revolution happening in Russia. There are a bunch of Jews at the head of the communist revolution in Russia, and Lloyd George makes a critical, critical error. He wants Russia to stay in the war and keep fighting on behalf of Britain and France. He sees the Jews leading the Bolshevik Revolution, leading the Russian Revolution, and thinks to himself, well, these must be devout Jews like the other Jews I know. Surely what they would want is some sort of promise from me, Britain, that I am going to give them their homeland back. That's what these Russian Jews would want, right? These communist Jews. Yeah, they're, they're dirty commies. We hate them. But maybe if I extend a hand, act like I'm going to give them their homeland back or help them get their homeland back, maybe they'll stay in the war. And this is where Lloyd George makes the critical, critical error. In his defense, if I have to defend the man, We didn't know just how disgusting and evil communists were quite yet, because this is the first time it had really been tried. And he did not know, as many still don't know today, that communism is its own religion. It is a religion unto itself. The communists in Russia who took over, they were loyal to communism. Period. End of story. But he doesn't know this yet. So he puts out what is called the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration. If you take nothing else from this story, remember this. The Balfour Declaration was this. It was a public, very much public promise to Jews to create a Jewish homeland in Israel. Hey, Jews around the world, Russia, especially you, you hear me over there, Jews? Homeland, coming your way if you stick around. How's that sound, right? Really appealing, right? And remember, the war's still going on. At this point, this is still part of the Ottoman Empire. You know, the Ottoman Empire had to be looking around saying, I'm sorry, what? You did what now? Nevertheless, that's what happened. Now, the declaration, again, I'm going to try to defend them as best I can when it comes to Britain. It does say... We're not going to disrupt any of the current residents of this area, but we're just going to make sure the Jews can move in. How many? Well, I mean, don't worry about that. It's the de- like I said, they just, they were desperate. They were promising everyone everything, and it was never going to work out right. And remember, there were about 700,000 Muslims living in Palestine at the time. It's flatly absurd to make a declaration that nobody is going to be displaced if you allow a bunch of Jews to come in. Think about uh, your own hometown, your own home city. 
Whatever your city, let's say you live in a city of a million people. All right, you got a million people there. And somebody, some politician somewhere who's who's fighting a war, stands up and says, we'll use Houston. Let's say Houston's a million people. Some politician stands up somewhere and says, hey, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to allow as many people from Mexico City who want to move to Houston, whoever wants to do that can do that. Totally, we're going to support you every step of the way. Oh, Houston, though, you million people, don't worry. None of you are going to be displaced at all. <laughs> okay, wait. Hold on. I'm doing the math here on my fingers. That doesn't seem like it's going to work out very well. Then that's where we are currently in our story. Remember this. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Are s'mores overrated? How will I take on a saltwater crocodile? And someone wants to talk a little more about tunnel rats in Vietnam. Well, that's next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. My Eden Pure Thunderstorm is the reason you don't hear me sniffling behind the microphone anymore. The truth is, I've had a lot of air purifiers. I've always had one because allergies drive me nuts. It bothers my eyes as much as anything else. I get those itchy, watery eyes. And so I've always had those tall, two, three-foot air purifiers in the house. They're loud ones, the ones with filters you have to replace every 15 minutes. Eden Pure Thunderstorm has eliminated the need for that because it's small, it's quiet, it just goes right in the outlet on the side, and it kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew on top of what it's done for my allergies. I don't own one Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I own three of them. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. It is a wild Ask Dr. Jesse Friday today. We do have one guest I should mention before we continue with the Jesse Kelly Show. Clay Martin is coming up next hour. He's the guy who was a Marine Corps scout sniper and then Marine Corps recon and then left to go become a Green Beret. The first time we had him on the air, he told us about the first time he killed a guy just randomly. So if you've missed that, I'm going to go ahead and ask him about that again today. So, like I said, you get you get some different stuff here on the Jesse Kelly Show. If you miss any part of the show, don't forget, especially shows like today, where the history part's the second part of a two-parter, the whole show's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. I'm excited. I'm excited for this natural disaster. Well, just flat-out disaster question, Chris. Here's a little teaser for it guy wants to know if I had to be there and I know how things are going to go, but if I had to be there, which one of these would I be at 1906 San Francisco earthquake, the sinking of the Indianapolis, the sinking of the Titanic or the 1900 Galveston hurricane. 
wild, right? I know the one I'm definitely not going to be in. I'll explain that in just a little bit. But but first, I'm going to try to wrap this up fairly quickly today. Quit distracting me. Now, the Balfour Declaration. Britain telling Jews around the world, don't worry, we got you covered. Homeland coming. We are going to support you. Remember this. The Arabs... The Arabs had been fighting this entire time, fighting hard against the Ottomans and winning. The Arabs had had a a charismatic leader. Uh, They'd been waging war. They'd been fighting, and they'd been fighting uh, for a very specific reason. You need to understand this because this will come into play for all the conflicts, conflicts that still go on today. The Arabs were not fighting so they could be a British lackey. The Arabs were fighting so they could rule the Muslim world, so they could have an Arab-Muslim empire. They were fighting so they could be the old days where where the Muslims ruled all of the Middle East and were advanced and everything else. That was their end goal. So if that's their end goal, and the guys who kind of promised them they'd tell them that they'd help them reach that goal— are the same guys who just turned to a bunch of Jews and said, hey, we're going to let you move right into this place we kind of promised the other guys. They are upset and upset, to put it mildly. Okay? Now the communists finally do take over in Russia. And Lloyd George finds out what we had just talked about before. Jews are not a monolith. This is a mistake people make so often when it comes to various prejudices people have. When you say things like white people do this, black people do this, Jews do this, Muslims do this, Christians do that, Asians do this. I mean, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. There can be a lot of truth to a lot of these things. But remember, as soon as you start getting yourself in the trap of thinking things are monolithic, You get tunnel vision, and it can really, really get you in a bind. Lloyd George found out, yes, there are a bunch of Zionist Jews who want to establish a Jewish homeland again for themselves. That is not what communists want. Not only did the Russian communists take over, yeah, there were some Jews in there, but these were not the same kind of Jews Lloyd George was used to dealing with. They stomp in take over Russia, and they really, really screw everybody over. What do the communists do when they take over Russia? Well, they promptly yank Russia out of the war, which was Britain's worst nightmare, France's worst nightmare. And remember how I said there were all these promises and secret backroom deals between Britain and France and Russia. Hey, Russia, we're going we're gonna to promise you Constantinople and France. You and me, we'll, we'll split up between Syria and Iraq, and we'll promise this and promise that. Well, remember, those things don't just exist in someone's mind. There are communications. There are letters. There are papers that have this information on it. The communists go storming in, take over a country, Basically, open up a drawer of files of promises and whammo, there it is for all the world to see. The Russian communists are now reading all the lies and deceits from France and Britain and Russia itself. And of course, they promptly tell the entire world about it. 
uh, look what these people have been doing. Look how they've been lying. A hugely, hugely embarrassing moment for really everybody, but especially Britain and France. They look really, really, really bad. Now, the war is still going on. The Brits, their forces actually take Jerusalem at this time. Well, the Jews, they just were given a Balfour Declaration. They decide they're going to use this as an opportunity. Hold on. The Brits are, the Brits, their troops are in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a safe place. And you just said we could have the homeland back. Guys, pack up. We're heading to Israel. And they start moving in pretty much right away. The Arabs eventually show up. The war ends right about this time. And the Arabs are looking around at the French and the British as the Treaty of Versailles is going on. And they're saying, "Um, you guys know there's some Jews in this place you promised us, right? And Britain and France, kind of with egg on their faces, are saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, oh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, those Jews in that land we promised you. Ooh, okay. You know what? We're going to work it out. Don't worry about that. The League of Nations is formed. Think of the UN. It's essentially the first UN. They formed something at the Treaty of Versailles. It's called the League of Nations. Britain and France are now ruling the entire former Ottoman Empire. Well, the Arabs in their mind, had been promised things like Syria. And frankly, they have a really good point. You can read it. It's written down. It sure looks to me like they were promised Syria. But the French, they think Syria is theirs. And the French are much more powerful than the Arabs. The French go marching right into Syria and say, oh, you thought this was going to be yours? No, 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 no. Pack up your stuff and leave. This is ours. Now the Arabs are really mad. Now the Arabs are feeling betrayed because, remember, the goal was this gigantic new Muslim empire. And Palestine, well, what was happening in Palestine? Britain kicked open the door and said, hey, uh, a bunch of Jews are going to be moving here. Jews from around the world, just know we are allowing you now to move into Palestine. Come on in. That's see, you're welcome here. Now, the Jews immediately jumped on this opportunity and they did it really, really, really smartly. Remember something, remember this. Remember, we talked about the colonization of America by England and France and Spain and things like that, and how everybody kind of did it differently. And how if you look at a map of who owned the most of America at what time, honestly, Spain, it looks like, had the biggest chunk of land here. But why didn't they ever have more control of it? Why didn't they ever do more? Because Spain always screwed something up. Spain didn't realize that old, old saying is 100% true. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Britain always understood this. It's not enough to take a place, even take a place by force and then produce a piece of paper that says it's mine. You must move in. You must physically occupy it, your people, your towns, your infrastructure. The Jews understood this very well. The Palestinians did not. 
they were about to get a lesson in possession being nine-tenths of the law. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping. And I am telling you this as somebody who did every stupid thing trying to quit dipping that you can possibly do. I I tried bubble gum. I tried just quitting cold turkey. Have you ever tried to quit cold turkey? It's impossible. I I tried it all. And I will tell you, I was very frustrated by the time I was done trying until I found Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew Yeah, it's tobacco-free, and it's nicotine-free, and it's sugar-free. But more than that, it gave me a dip to put in my lip. So it gave me that transition. And I would highly recommend you try the CBD pouches. They have four different flavors of CBD pouches. Those really help take that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout for 20% off. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Uh Education. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah, yeah, that's something we've really missed, Reg, the Romans left. (laughs) Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace? Oh, peace! Shut up! That is, of course, from Life of Brian. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I am going to wrap up this story, this segment. I am committing myself to it because I have 9,000 of your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Remember, we have Green Beret, Clay Martin, going to talk to us about killing people in about an hour from now, halfway through next hour. (laughs) Clay is the best... And remember, he's the one who's been writing these books about surviving society not doing so well, a society collapsing, civil unrest. He's writing practical books about it, books that are very much applicable to you and me. Well, I mean, who are we kidding? It's not applicable to me because I'll be leading society's collapse. What, Chris? All right. So possession is nine-tenths of the law. Now, Britain is still running this place. They're still, they're still in control, kind of. 
But in the 1930s and 40s, in between, uh, you know, about the time Great Depression, so on and so forth, Jews are pouring into, into this place, absolutely pouring in. And what are they doing as they pour in? Well, they're doing it really, really smartly. It's not that they're kicking in the door of some Palestinian's home and saying, pack up your stuff and leave. We're here now. They're just simply buying up mass tracts of land and moving their people onto it. Not just buying it, buying it and moving their people onto it. Possession. They're building infrastructure. They're building homes. They're building schools. They're snatching up land everywhere. And the Palestinians, a lot of them were poor. They're selling lots of this stuff. Even as they're getting angry that their society is getting run out, they're selling it to the Jews. And then they're looking around like, I can't believe they're they're taking over everything. Uh, Okay, I will take $50,000 for this lot. And look, I don't care how mad this makes people. You know I don't care about offending people. The Jews were just a lot better at this than the Palestinians were. They simply were. They were just flat out smarter about it. They just were. They were smarter about it. Now, Anytime you have this kind of displacement, though, because you are seeing a lot of displacement. Remember, there were 700,000 Palestinians here. Anytime you have this kind of displacement, people are starting to lose jobs. Jews are starting to only hire Jews. They are moving in and being very purposeful. That sound familiar at all? Being very purposeful about making sure this is their country because they view this. I mean, a lot of it is, again, not a monolith, so I don't want to say they, but A lot of it is just a safe haven, tired of getting pushed around, assaulted other places. Remember I said the 30s and 40s they're pouring in? Anything else happening in the 30s and 40s that would make the Jews maybe look for someplace else to live? So seeking safety? And a big part of it is biblical. Or or what what do you people call it, Chris? The Torah? Is that what you call it? What? I'm trying to figure it out. But in all all seriousness, for them, it's biblical or torical. I I don't know how they would say that. But for them, it's from God, right? This is our land. It's from God. We're supposed to be here. So when you have this many Palestinians being displaced, you're going to have angry young men. Angry young men. Young men are already full of testosterone. I mean, happy young men are full of testosterone and do stupid things. Angry young men full of testosterone is a very, very, very dangerous thing. The blood starts to begin. Terrorism starts to begin. Bombs, blood, knives, civilians, you name it. Now, again, as you know, I'm very honest about my biases. Everybody knows I'm more biased towards Israel and the Jews. I, I totally admit that. But in all fairness... The Jews started to return serve on that terror stuff too. Bombs, blood, killing, killing of civilians. They weren't, you can argue and you're probably right. They weren't as overt about it as the Palestinians were, but the Jews were doing a lot of the same stuff too. If you talk to uh, terrorists from over there today, Palestinian terrorists, they'll say things to you like, they started all this terrorism stuff. That's not fair, but I'll say this. It's not necessarily unfair either. 
The Jews were doing a, a more civilized version of an insurgency themselves. Now, let's focus on Britain here for a moment. Britain's exhausted. Britain just went through World War I. We now have new hostilities in, in Europe popping up. It is a Great Depression. Britain doesn't want to deal with this anymore. And now it's getting openly hostile between the Jews and Great Britain. Remember I talked about the terrorism from the Jews too? The Jews set off a bomb in a British hotel, the King David Hotel, a bomb that killed civilians. Straight up terror attack. Brits, in response to this, because they tried to handle this with kid gloves, in response to this bomb in the King David Hotel, they hang some Jews. Round them up, hang the guys responsible. They think are responsible. But the problem is Britain didn't fully understand what they were dealing with, and Britain wasn't nearly as committed to keeping this place as the Jews were to taking this place. In response, the Jews promptly snatch up two British officers and hang them publicly. Britain's done with it. Britain's pretty much done with it. They, they hand the place over to the UN, and I'm, I'm trying to put a bow on it here, they basically hand the place over to the U.N. They're, they're trying to get out, not sure how to get out. So Britain will do things, crazy things. I mean, it's nuts to think about. Uh, the, uh, they'll have a military base, a British military base, but that'll be in a strategically important place. And Britain will flat out tell the, the, the Jews and the Palestinians, okay, uh, uh, we're done. I don't care. I'm leaving. Uh, uh, at 9 a.m. Friday morning, we're leaving this base. We're done. You guys can have it. Well, Again, the Jews did this smarter than the Palestinians. The Jews would be waiting at the gates at 9 a.m. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. We're moving in now. Vroom, vroom, vroom. In come the Israelis. And now they own the military base. They just did it better and smarter. And keep in mind, they're not even an official nation yet. They are still factioned on the Jewish side. They, they, it runs the gamut. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the Jews did this act of terror and the, the Jews did this. There are so many extremely moderate, peaceful Jews. And then there are other ones who think, no, screw this. We have to kill everybody and everything in between. They're factioned. But they are united in wanting this nation right now. And eventually, they get one. I'm not going to go into the first Arab-Israeli war, but just know... By 1948, it's pretty much Israel, and they earned it because they were very, very purposeful. Let's have a brief chat about you and I being purposeful, and then it's time to have some fun on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. to the Jesse Kelly show. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Green Beret, Clay Martin, about 40 minutes from now, going to talk to us about killing people. Remember, you can leave voicemails, too. We have a voicemail from somebody. I'll play that for you in just a second, but really quickly about being purposeful before we start having fun. Being more purposeful. As we continue our divide as a country, I don't expect you to be happy about it. I will tell you, I am not happy about it. But when I talk about us dividing, I hope you understand that never comes from a place of celebration. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible we were unable to keep together the greatest country in the world. I, I, think, that's, I think that's awful. Inevitable, yeah, that's what happens to big empires. They rise and they fall. But I think it's terrible. However, as we divide, how purposeful are you willing to be? And this is what I'm asking you. If you hire and fire people, are you going to be more purposeful about that in the future? And I'm not just talking about hiring and firing the best people. If you have a little things, a babysitter, Are you going to be more purposeful about that? I will tell you this. That kind of thing may make you uncomfortable. It might. They're being purposeful. I promise you that. They're being very, very purposeful. They, because they're communists, have the end goal of completely purging you from every single part of this society. What are you going to do in response? Now, let's have some fun. Dear J. Steele Kelly, with summer upon us, my wife is excited to make s'mores. I explained to her that s'mores are a terrible treat. The marshmallow isn't hot enough to melt the chocolate, so it's always hard. When you bite into it, the graham cracker falls apart and the marshmallow comes out the side and gets all over your hands. Then you have sticky hands all night because you were camping and can't wash them. My wife disagrees and says they are the best part of camping. Please settle the debate once and for all with your food expertise. He says, feel free to use his name. His name is Josh Adams. Remember this. I haven't said this in a while. If you email me, unless you absolutely tell me in the email to use your name, I will never, ever use your name. I am one of the last people on earth who believes in privacy. Even you, you can send me and several people I have, you can send me death threats and I will not use your name on air. I do not believe in it. Private is private. So unless you do what this guy did, then I I won't read it on air, but he's 100% right about the s'mores. It makes no sense whatsoever. Somebody please explain to me the appeal of it. 
the chocolate doesn't melt at all. It doesn't melt at all. The best, I, I did hear a life hack for the s'mores, though, that I have yet to try, but one that sounds like it would be primo. Yes, the s'mores are going to come with the same problems, but take out that Hershey's bar, the Hershey's chocolate you put in there, put in a Reese's peanut butter cup in its place. Not only do you get the added peanut butter in there, the Reese's peanut butter cup smashes more easily and it will all smash together. But when it comes to camping food, I can't believe more people don't do this. Let me help you all out real quick. As you know, I moved to Montana when I was 10 and we grew up camping, right? Here's your next camping meal. Put away the hot dogs, put away all this stuff. Here's what you do. While you're still at home, you take, and you probably want to double or triple layer this, take a big piece of foil, fold it over a couple times so it's twice the size of a dinner plate, three times the size of a dinner plate. Make kind of a half little bowl with it, don't worry. And you take a ton of sausage and shrimp and peppers, maybe jalapenos and onions and everything else, and you drop them all. Don't worry if they're raw. You want them raw. Drop them all in that foil thing. Then you take whatever kind of seasoning. If you're a huge seasoning guy, put a bunch of it in there. Put a little seasoning in it. If you like some heat, drop a little hot sauce in there, maybe a little cayenne pepper. Then you fold up this gigantic thing of foil and essentially seal it up. You roll the top of it down. Now, when you're out there camping, you have your rocks around your fire pit. You take your huge foil and you just simply set it down on one of the rocks by the fire. Then you go about your business. Go do your fishing, chop up some wood, set up the tent, all the camping stuff. Eventually, you will notice that thing looks like it's going to pop because it's full of steam and smoking hot. Get it off of there. Might might not hurt to poke a hole or two in the foil before you open it because that is some hot steam that comes out. Eventually open it up, let it cool a little bit, and you will have the juiciest, most flavorful, most delicious camping meal in the history of mankind. Chris said they call them silver turtles. That's actually a great that's a great word for it. That's a great word for it. So all right, I came up with that, not Chris. I I call them silver turtles. There's your next camping meal. All right. It's time to take on a saltwater crocodile. Next. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet, maybe they're animal smells, maybe you're a smoker or someone else was, just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours, I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE 
That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.